Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Hello, rockers. I'm working on a psychological theory. It has to do with the old nature versus nurture debate, which of course asks whether our personality was given to us at birth via our genetic makeup, which we can't change, or is it formed more by our early experiences and how our caretakers treated us when we were kids? Well, both, of course. But I think I've figured out one of the single greatest influences on the shaping of any given human being. At least us sensitive ones. That enormous shaping factor is simply this. Whatever specific, ridiculous, hurtful thing some middle school boy said to you. Usually, it happens on the bus or walking home from school or at a class party. It's the kind of thing that rings in your head for years afterwards. Even as an adult, most people still have one memory like this. It might be suppressed, but it's also compressed and sharp as a diamond. As much as I would like to pretend I've forgotten the very nice thing some kid announced to my whole entire 8th grade algebra class about duct tape and my butt crack, thanks low-rise jeans, well, I know I still spend a little too much time and worry choosing my pants before going basically anywhere, and I've spent years despising and trying to change my body to be pleasing to people like a duct tape boy to no avail, and for no good reason. Yet I know that others had it plenty worse with their own middle school bullies. Bullies who chose racially motivated jeers to attack the kids who were doing their best to live completely unnoticed. And of course, those horrible but everyday microaggressions turn into much, much more harmful things. And speaking of which, Katie mentioned some great resources at the end of this episode. But for now, it's time to hear Katie's story and reflect a little bit about how those middle school insults can be made obsolete, at least for a little while, in the face of all the joy and power that comes with discovering your favorite music. Katie Lau is an audio engineer and musician. She releases her own music under the name Painted Zeros. Here's her story. My name is Katie Lau. My pronouns are she, her. Dear young rocker, I am reaching my hand out to you across this mysterious expanse of time and space to let you know that everything is going to be okay someday. It might be hard to believe, but listen, I am a version of future you and I have been gifted this unlikely chance to speak with you, to let you know how many wonderful things you are headed toward if you can just get through these next few years of school. Where you are right now at this moment is not so great. We can both agree on this. 
You are 12 years old, going on 13, and you are just about to enter eighth grade. You are a runt, a total pipsqueak, all skin and ribs and poking bones. Puberty is years away for you, my friend. You have long brown hair, and you wear these square purple glasses that you really dislike until you beg your mom for contact lenses which you will then wear so much that your eye doctor tells you to switch back to glasses because your eyes are so irritated. You have a mouth full of sharp blue braces, and you are by far the shortest kid in your grade. People always think you're a lot younger than you really are. You're so tiny that you still fit into the stretchy, brightly patterned clothing that your mom still buys for you from the Gap Kids section. You absolutely hate wearing the stupid teal and pink polos that you're forced into, and you've especially always hated skirts and dresses. They make you feel even more self-conscious and awkward and uncomfortable in your body than you already do, but you don't really feel like you have a choice. Things are feeling pretty rough. It seems like the older you get, the worse things become. Your friends have stopped wanting to spend as much time outside with you. No more games, no more running in the soft green grass between your connecting backyards. It feels harder and harder to relate to your classmates. All of a sudden, it's weird to want to spend time with the boys. None of the other girls are doing that anymore. You want to fit in, but the problem is that you don't know what to talk about with girls your age at all. They always talk about which boys they have crushes on and about TV shows and movies that you've never seen, and it feels so fake and boring to you. You can't understand why you feel so different. You rage at the injustice of being told that the things you like and the kind of person you can be is determined by the body you were born into. Some days, you wonder why you had to be born a girl at all. That feeling only grew stronger when you realized, at the tender age of eight, that you had a huge crush on your friend's older sister, Jamie. She had freckles dusted all over her nose, bright, determined eyes, and long, shiny black hair that she wore in a ponytail. She seemed so cool and sure of herself, everything that you weren't. You never told anyone about how you felt, not even CJ, your best friend, You are so secretive about your feelings that you are even afraid to journal about your crushes on girls, except in code. Right now, you struggle a lot with being queer, and you're terrified to make it real and known in the world by talking about it to someone else. None of your teachers or your parents or any other adults you know ever talk about or mention lesbian or gay people. As far as you can tell, they don't exist at all in your town. So you spend a lot of time feeling ashamed and confused and scared about being different in this way, feeling afraid of liking girls and feeling completely alone. You feel like an animal in the zoo or like a lab rat. It feels as if there is a microscope focused on you and that everyone is watching your every move. When you stand up to walk across your classroom, you feel like you don't know how to walk normally. You're so self-conscious about what to do with your arms and where to hold them. You feel worried sometimes that people can hear your thoughts and all the crazy, weird things happening inside your head. 
You have terrible nightmares, and you can't sleep at night because you can hear your own heart beating too loudly. You feel like you are absolutely falling apart, and you're afraid to tell your parents that anything is wrong because you don't think they'd be able to help you anyway. You've been feeling really bad a lot of the time, and most days you wish you could just disappear. You think a lot about your first day of seventh grade and how you stayed up way past your bedtime the night before, making sure that your brand new spiral notebooks were perfectly in order and safely inside your Jansport backpack. You took hours deciding on what your outfit would be. Finally, you settled on your soft emerald green turtleneck. You love the color green. It's the color of trees and grass and of everything beautiful and alive. On that early gray morning, you stood at the corner by the streetlight waiting for the creaking yellow school bus to pull up. Your head hurt from being so tired. When you walked up the bus stairs and sat down in one of the empty rows close to the door, Noel, one of the cool boys who sat in the back of the bus, said really loudly, Hey, it's an Asian frog. All the other boys laughed, and you felt every drop of blood in your body rush into your face. You always get so red when you're embarrassed, and it's terrible. Anytime you feel upset, there's no chance you can hide it. Being that vulnerable feels awful. The kind lady who drove your bus craned her neck around and yelled at the boys to sit down and be quiet. You sat there mortified, and you stared out the window, fighting back tears that pricked painfully at your eyes. You pretended to listen to music on your beloved Sony Walkman, but you were secretly still listening to the boys in the back, trying to catch if they were saying mean things about you. You were burning with embarrassment. When you finally got home from school that day, you immediately took off your turtleneck and buried it at the very bottom of your dresser. You decided you'd never wear that shirt again. You figure that it's better to be ignored than to be bullied, so you try to blend in as much as possible. Even though you hate the preppy clothing that your mom buys you, you wear it anyway because you are terrified of standing out. And frankly, it's hard not to stand out. You're one of the only non-white kids that you know, and you are definitely the only half-Asian person you've ever met. Your dad emigrated from China when he was a baby, and he's not super close with his own family. So even though you visit them a couple times a year in Manhattan, the experience just makes you feel even more confused about what exactly being Chinese means. Those visits always start with the car ride, which is a special kind of hell. You get so carsick sitting in the back seat of your mom's silver Dodge minivan, piled in next to your brother and sister, squeezing your eyes shut and fighting off waves of nausea as you blast the chunky guitars and pop-punk vocals of anti-flag through your headphones. You imagine that you are a little rowboat being battered by a roaring, stormy ocean. You can smell the city before you even muster up the strength to open your motion-sick eyes to see it. When the car door slides open and you stumble out, 
You walk down the concrete Chinatown sidewalks, teeming with other Chinese people, and you feel dizzy and grossed out by the fish market smells and garbage of Canal Street. You don't speak Chinese, so you communicate with your grandparents mostly with smiles and hugs, pointed hands, vague gestures, more smiles. You leave the experience feeling more like you just visited an alien world than you feel connected to Chinese culture, and you don't think that you understand it any better. It's not hard to understand why. I mean, you spend most of your time in the small, suburban, predominantly white town that your mom grew up in. You feel caught between two identities, where you don't belong to either one, but your white peers make it very clear to you that they see you as different, as other, as the weird Chinese girl. They pull the corners of their eyes at you. They say really stupid things like ching chong and me love you long time. It's wrong and it makes you really mad. Let's face it, my young rocker. Being a queer Asian tomboy made you destined to feel like an outsider from the start. It seems impossible to relate to the people around you. You turn inward and you spend more and more time alone, but somehow this only leads to more of the negative attention you've been trying to avoid. You start getting bullied by some of the mean girls a lot. They call you freak, dyke, weirdo. Even worse, your older sister is friends with those girls. And when the two of you get into fights, she calls you the same hurtful names. You see the loan in your room at night, and you imagine screaming at Elise and the popular kids. You fantasize about how it would feel to punch every single boy who has ever made fun of you. You feel so angry all of the time, and the anger feels too large for your body. You are cracking apart, and it feels like you might explode through your own skin. What you want is to see your anger reflected in something back at you. You want something to keep your anger company. You want something to scream with. And that, young rocker, is how you come to find and fall in love with punk music. Music feels like the most incredible and strange thing in the world. When did it start? How does it work? You have so many questions. But what you do know for sure is that you can feel every single emotion in the classical music your parents play in the car radio. The beautiful, swelling strings send you into a trance. The melodies pierce through your chest and you bend to their pitch. You feel the beauty, triumph, and despair in the music as if it were originating from inside of you. You started playing violin in the fourth grade and even though you kind of wished you had tried out for the drums, you were hooked pretty much right away on the challenge of learning your very first official instrument. You like rubbing the pine-smelling rosin along your bow, training your hands and your arms to curl and move in the right way. The smell of the sheet music you balance delicately on your folded metal stand playing the same etude over and over until you achieve the satisfaction of a perfect run. Your fingers cramp and swell from the effort. And don't get me wrong, you love the violin, but in some ways it is yet another thing that you feel like you have to do, what with school and lessons. 
There is one thing that is all your own, though, and that is the guitar. You feel so drawn to it. You've always been obsessed with the way they look, with the heavy, crushed sounds of distorted guitars blaring over the alternative rock radio station that you always turn the dial to in your dad's car when he lets you sit in the front seat. There is a mysterious aura and power surrounding the guitar. Even though your grandmother got you a beautiful acoustic guitar with clear nylon strings when you were 10, more than anything in the world, you want to play the electric guitar. This wish finally came true for you when you turned 12. The day that you unwrapped that black and white Squire Stratocaster changed your life forever. From that point on, you'd spend hours alone in your room every single day, looking up tabs on your computer and teaching yourself how to cobble together your favorite songs. You love the way you completely forget about everything when you're playing your guitar, cradling the smooth wood of the neck in your hand and moving your fingers over the frets. When you're concentrating on learning a new song, all the anxieties and the bad feelings from whatever shitty thing happened in school that day disappear. You're really stubborn, so you push through the struggle of learning something new and you are fully absorbed in your playing, going over the same notes and picking parts over and over and over until you finally get it sounding clean and pure. And because you're so stubborn and determined, you actually start getting really good. You think about playing guitar all the time. You feel proud of yourself for learning some pretty complicated songs. And you even start making up riffs and writing tabs of your own. It feels so exciting to come up with melodies of your own. So powerful to make something out of nothing. You have a secret drawer filled with pages and pages of riffs you come up with that you'll never let anyone see. Your parents don't play music around the house, so when you were little, pretty much all the music you heard came from the car radio. You always liked some of the songs you hear on the classic rock station, the trilling melody and sustained power chords of Baba O'Reilly, the jangling acoustic and wistful lyrics of Neil Young's Out of the Blue, but those songs aren't really capturing the way you're feeling anymore. You want something harder, meaner, heavier, angrier. Now, at the lowest and angriest point yet in your young life, you turn to the internet to find the kind of music you have only heard in snippets, in soundtracks, in college radio static. Eighth grade drags on for you, young rocker. You spend a lot of time holed up in your room on the internet, listening to music, playing guitar. You start to scour message boards for punk bands, and you illegally download all the names you can find. Dead Kennedys, Operation Ivy, Choking Victim, Minor Threat. You are immediately hooked. You're completely blown away by the lyrics. Finally, songs that have something to say. Songs that criticize the government and mindless media consumption. Songs that protest war and police brutality. Songs that are anti-racist, anti-fascist, anti-sexist, 
anti-everything that your young heart rejects, my dear, young, newly punk rocker. You are swept away by the scraping pick slides and crashing cymbals. You revel in the thrashing guitars and drums, the pulsing bass propelling you through a roaring wind of distorted chaos. You can't understand how anyone can play their instrument so fast. The lyrics are screamed with a passion and intensity and anger that you carry in your heart. And you start writing them down along with your favorite band names in the margins of all your notebooks. You beg your parents to let you buy band t-shirts on the internet. And you wear the one black pair of pants you own as much as possible. You're feeling a little bit more confident and a little bit more like you know who you are. Now that you know that punk is a world for the misfits, you don't have to try to fit in with everyone else anymore. In ninth grade, you befriend a smart, outgoing kid named John, and he starts showing you folk punk bands like Against Me and Defiance Ohio. This is your introduction to people who somehow managed to channel the raw and wild energy of punk through their acoustic guitars. You are awestruck at your first folk punk show in the attic of his parents' house. Evan Greer sings, I want something better than this, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think that we can build it if we try together. And you can't imagine anything more punk than screaming about changing the world at the top of your lungs with nothing but an acoustic guitar. When the show ends, you see John's acoustic guitar sitting in the corner, and you just can't resist. You pick up the guitar and start playing Simon and Garfunkel's The Boxer. John says, wow, you're even better than me, and I take lessons. You smile slightly and feel encouraged to keep playing. You start to strum the chords to your favorite Mischief Brew song, and John and some of the others still lingering from the show start singing along, with you as their leader taking them through the music. It's such a cool feeling. You're incredibly shy about singing, but one of the things you love so much about punk is that no one really has a good voice, so you figure that no one will mind if yours isn't that good either. John starts inviting you to shows that high schoolers from all over the county throw at Westpac, the local nonprofit space that his mother chairs. At your very first DIY show, your dad drops you off and you ask him to let you out a little bit away from the venue so that no one would see you in the car with your parents. You're wearing your black pants, a black shirt with a white graphic that says Anarchy, Mother of Stability in Russian, and the silver ring your great aunt Mary gave you that you never take off. You fold your arms nervously, standing near the door of the venue, while a group of four or five kids dressed in all black with piercings and makeup stand laughing and smoking cigarettes together in a circle. You're waiting for John to arrive, and you take your phone out and idly scroll back and forth through old text messages so that it looks like you're busy talking to someone. He arrives wearing all black, with a purple bandana tied around his neck, and you go upstairs into the venue. The band has already begun, and it is a group of four brothers called No One and the Somebodies, who you soon learn are local legends. People travel from all over to see them, and when they start to play, 
you understand why. They shift between shouting and themic yells over fast guitar licks to moody waltzes in 3-4 time, sometimes all in the middle of one song. A mosh pit begins, your first ever. Kids hurl their bodies across the small opening in the dance floor of the sweaty, packed room, and your heart beats wildly. You join in, and it's the most exhilarating release of energy that you have ever felt. Dancing has always terrified you, but this kind of dancing is exactly what your strong, bony body was built for. You bounce and jump and slam into the other sweaty arms, and you have a huge grin on your face the whole time. During one of their songs, the keyboard player takes out a guardrail that he picked up off the side of the road, and he starts bashing it maniacally and incorporates it into their wildly rocking set with incredible, tinkling percussive hits. When their set finally ends, you step out into the night with a group of new friends, exhausted and drenched in sweat. You start to feel like you belong for the first time ever. I'm really proud of you, young rocker. You're no longer so scared of being seen as different. You're being true to yourself. You're starting to learn that your heightened sensitivity is a strength, not a weakness. I'm so glad that you're pursuing the things you love, like playing guitar and listening to punk, and that you're not giving in to the pressure you feel to act like other girls your age. You feel like this is the most important thing ever, this music, these shows. And guess what, young rocker? You will go on to make bands of your own, to play shows to packed rooms full of sweaty kids just like this one. Writing songs seems so daunting, and performing your own songs in front of people sounds terrifying. But one day, when you're a little bit older, you're going to do just that. You're even going to tour with your band all over the country. And you'll be gone for weeks and months at a time. You'll drive by the summit of enormous snowy mountains in Wyoming, You'll eat the spiciest tacos of your life before playing a show in Los Angeles. You'll crash on the basement floor of an absolutely filthy punk house in Richmond, Virginia. Keep practicing writing songs, just like you practice playing your guitar. It's a skill you have to hone just like anything else you want to learn. And I know how much you love learning. Also, please don't use alcohol and drugs to try and cope with your anxiety and depression. It doesn't actually solve the way you feel, and it's going to make your life so unmanageable and awful that you'll actually become totally sober by the time you're in your mid-twenties. And try not to waste your time smoking or vaping. It's expensive, it's just another stupid addiction, and it makes it harder to sing in tune. You're going to wise up and quit that too, but honestly, just save yourself the trouble. Something really cool in your future is that you will turn your fascination with sound and music into a career. With your stubbornness and determination, and with the patience and kindness of people around you who will teach you a ton, you will learn how to audio engineer concerts just like that very first punk show you moshed at, and your life will revolve around this most precious savior, music. Don't let your parents or your teachers dissuade you from doing the things you love. 
You are the one who decides what you get to do with your life, not them. I want to confirm a suspicion that has been growing louder within your heart lately. Grown-ups don't always know what they are doing. You have been led to believe that when you grow up, you will all of a sudden have all of the answers. But the truth of the matter is that even though you will learn so much, young rocker, and grow stronger and wiser with each passing year, being an adult doesn't make you all-knowing. Just because someone is an adult doesn't mean that they aren't insecure in their own ways, or unsure of themselves, or sometimes scared and confused, just like you. Just because someone is an adult doesn't mean that they're never wrong. A lot of the adults in your life have been wrong when they tell you that you need to act or look or be a certain way. Try not to be too mad at them. It's coming from a place of good intention, but in reality, they don't always know what's best for you. You are good enough exactly the way you are, and you don't need to change anything about yourself to make anyone else happy. Not your parents, not your white classmates, not society, not anyone. This is what I see, young rocker. You are a smart, curious, silly, and brave kid, and you are also very shy. So shy that sometimes you accidentally come across as being serious or cold. You spend a lot of time feeling afraid of other people, worrying that they're judging you all the time. This is something called anxiety, and it's a disorder you have, which you won't really figure out until you're older. I want to tell you something that I wish I knew when I was your age. Nobody is paying as much attention to you as you think they are. Most of the time, people are just thinking about themselves and not worrying about what you are doing at all. One day, you will find a lot of freedom in this knowledge. So, my dear young rocker, the way you feel right now, sad, lonely, scared, weird, misunderstood, this won't last forever. You'll grow into your body and you'll find some really great therapists who will help you a lot with your anxiety and with understanding the trauma you've endured. Though you don't know a single gay person yet, I have really good news for you. Someday, you're going to have really great friends, and a lot of them will be queer people. You're even going to fall in love with a really wonderful girl. You'll understand that the kids who are so unkind to you now are simply wounded by their own insecurities. They are themselves victims of different kinds of abuse, and you'll feel compassion both for them and for what they put you through. You are going to be peaceful one day, even happy, Hang on, young rocker. Make it one day at a time. I promise that you are strong enough to keep it together and survive. Even when it feels impossible to go on another minute, just know you can and you will. Love you, kid. I hope you enjoyed Katie's story as much as I did. She clearly put so much work into the writing and dug really deep. I had to ask how she felt about doing this whole DYR thing, of course. 
It was really interesting doing this project. It brought me back to a time of my life that was really challenging and dark. And it was kind of nice being able to revisit that time of life and the feelings I had as a you know, young, lonely, confused middle schooler and kind of get a chance to let my young self know that things were going to be okay someday and that I was going to make it out of that really terrible time. It was cool. It was challenging. It took me a while to even dive into it, honestly, because I would start thinking about it and be like, oh my gosh, all these feelings and these memories that I have kind of buried in some ways or just not revisited in a little while. Um, but it was cathartic. It was, it was really cool. I'm glad I did it. A lot of the um, experiences I had during that time and the art I absorbed is still a really big part of me. And being confronted with some of my experiences and realizing why I had certain maladaptive coping mechanisms, that kind of became clear to me in ways that have, you know, been explored in therapy for sure, but uh, just really getting to the root of some of those experiences, reliving them in a very, uh, in a very visceral way. Visceral. Yep. That's the right word for it. I also asked Katie if she wanted to shine some light on any organizations or causes. She wanted to call attention to one really important issue facing America right now, which is anti-Asian discrimination and hate. There are a lot of great organizations working to fight the anti-Asian hate and rise in violence against Asian people happening in this country specifically. One group is Red Canary Song, which is a grassroots collective supporting labor rights for Asian migrant workers and sex workers. Another is AAPI Women Lead, which supports Asian American Pacific women and girls with workshops and research and promotes movements that address issues around gender-based racial discrimination and sexual harassment in the community. Katie also recommends Stop AAPI Hate, which is a nationwide organization that provides resources and works with a collection of organizations working on this cause. Links to all of these will be posted in the episode description. Please check out Katie's music under the name Painted Zeros, and if you have Sonos Radio, check out the radio show she co-produces called Women in Sound, which began as a zine, which is obviously very cool. Till next time, rockers. Next time on Dear Young Rocker. Being anxious and shy isn't something that the general public associates with being a punk rocker, yet for many of us, Rocking out is that one perfect way we can actually make some noise. And one person who knows that pretty well is Elise Okusami of the band Oceanator. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. It was created and is produced, written, and hosted by me, Chelsea Erson. 
I also created the theme song. Colin Fleming helps with sound design and mixing, and Auto Clamor provides editing and production assistance. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please let me know by sending in a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also hang out with me virtually by following at Dear Young Rocker on Instagram. Please do not hesitate to send me a message there and also follow Double Elvis for news about all of our new cool music podcasts. And if you'd like some snazzy DYR buttons or a t-shirt, go to doubleelvis.com shop. As always, the best thing you could ever do for this show is to share it with someone who you think would like it or just everyone you've ever met. Thanks, rockers. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.